We said we are continuing this series uh, in the Gospel of Luke, and, and we're just through the summer, we're going to be uh, hanging out in the Gospel for the rest of the summer. We're going chapter by chapter, kind of. We're covering two chapters on a Sunday. So if you're with us in person, that's great. Um, if, and I encourage you to read ahead, read along, go in that, and because we will not cover everything that's in two chapters of the Gospel every Sunday. Right? And so I uh, just encourage you to read it and study it on your own. Uh, if you have questions or something that we don't cover out of a sermon, then definitely send me an email, right? And I'll answer your questions. I'll, I'll work, work through with you. And, but I encourage you to read it on your own. And also, as you're out on vacations or with family, you're out of town on a weekend or whatever, you can just stay connected and you can watch online. You can watch the sermons the week after or listen to the podcast and just continue on your own reading, right, as you go through. So um, they said just two chapters a week is what we're going to do till we get to the end of the gospel and the end of the summer. And so uh, today is Luke chapter 3 and 4. So last week, we just dove into the gospel, kind of laid the foundation of who is Luke and why did he write, um, just in, in way of just um, review, if you heard it, or even if you didn't, just to let you know, Luke um, is the only non-Jewish gospel writer. So the other three, uh, we have um, Matthew, Mark, and John. They were all Jewish writers. He's a non-Jewish writer writing to a non-Jewish audience. So that helps us, right? Because he explains some of the Jewish traditions a little deeper than some of the other authors do. Um, also, he was, he was a physician, and so because of that, he focuses on different fine details, and even on the miracles that Jesus did is, is kind of the, the focus of his gospel. Um, Luke was not one of the disciples, and, and, but yet he was closely connected to the apostles. He was a, a companion of Paul during um, his missionary journeys. He also tells us in the opening verses why he wrote. Right? He decided to write the gospel because he wanted to ensure that what we were learning about Jesus is, in fact, true. And last week, we looked at just this, this foundational question of what is your reaction to Jesus? And again, in this opening chapters, we saw all kinds of different reactions to Jesus. Um, and, and now today, as we move on to chapters 3 and 4, this is kind of finishes the foundation. Now, next week is where we really dive into the true content of the gospel, where he starts gathering disciples and does some miracles and starts teaching some parables and those kinds of things, where his, his ministry truly goes public. And that's where we start off with in chapter 5. But today, in 3 and 4, I just want to present um, another question. Just like last week, the question was, what's your reaction to Jesus? Um, this week, just like last week, I want to point out different ways that we see Jesus' identity play out in these next few chapters. And so the question to us is, what is your identity? Okay, what makes you, you? Right, what, what, um, what do you live for? Right? What is your identity? And just kind of keep, keep that in mind, again, as we read through the text today and, and just kind of... Kind of um, get through that again. And we are going to dive right into, uh, into the Bible. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, you're welcome to open with me um, to uh, Luke chapter 3. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use. Um, you'll notice on the outline is the page numbers of where you can find um, this passage. Um, and again, if you just leave your Bible open, we're going to go back and forth through it today as we kind of do this quick glance over of, of chapters 3 and 4 this morning of Luke. Um, but we're going to start with um, just the, the first, uh, first look at identity here in Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 20. And this is just the first section right, of chapter 3. 
And this is where we don't see the identity of Jesus yet, but we see it of John. And this is John the Baptist. Again, there's, there's a few different Johns throughout Scripture and throughout Gospels. Um, this is John the Baptist. This is the same John that we looked at last week, right, when um, his parents is Zechariah and Elizabeth, who, who wept in, in the womb when Jesus' presence was there. Okay, this is John. And, and here in these opening verses, we see John's identity and role. Now, we're not going to read all 20 verses, but we're going to look just the summary um, in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, okay, where it says, it says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Again, we see this, you know, John, again, clearly understands his identity, right, and his role in God's plan, right? He very clearly says, I am not the Messiah. Do not come to me. Don't follow me. Don't worship me. I am not the Messiah, right? But, but he is coming soon, right? And he understood his role. He says, my role, right, is, is I'm paving the way for the Messiah. I am I'm setting up this new concept of baptism, Right? And like you said, I'm baptizing with water, but the, the true Messiah right, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and right? with fire, right? meaning that he's going, he's going to change everything. Right? And so, again, we see that John was very clear about his identity and his role in God's plan. And then as we move on to the next little section of chapter 3, um, which is Luke 3, verses 21 and 22. And this is where Jesus is baptized. Hey, this is where John gets the reputation, right? In fact, that's why we call him John the Baptist. I mean, it's because of literally these verses right here. Okay, Luke chapter 3, we're going to read verses 21 and 22. Luke uh, 3, 21. It says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as, as he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, you bring me great joy. Again, Luke gives us a very brief account. Obviously, some of the other Gospels go into this deeper detail on the baptism of Jesus. But here, John baptizes Jesus. And this is kind of Jesus' anointing, right, of, into this next season of his life and of his public ministry here on earth. And we see here, and this is one of those, these um, few places in Scripture where we literally see all three parts of the Trinity present at the same time. Right, as we see, again, Jesus is here right, in bodily form. We see the, the, the Holy Spirit ascending right, and the voice of the Father. And, and we see all this happen. And yet the, we see here right, that this is, again, Jesus' anointing. And, and this is also in the gospel. This, these two verses act as the transition from the story of John, of John paving the way, where now the spotlight shifts in the text to Jesus. Right, and here, this is where, again, we see his baptism and then, uh, you know, we, we move on. But yet, at the same time, this is where we see, right, the true identity of Jesus revealed for the first time in the gospel. And we see this in verse 22, right? And it says, And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And as we see that, right, this is, again, God the Father speaking of God the Son and, and speaking this, this um, not just identity, but this anointing, right, onto Jesus. 
that he is truly the Son of God. And, and again, John there and those that were there present, they, they now know right, the real identity of Jesus. And as we ask this question of what is my identity, this is where we need to start, right? We need to start with the identity of the Messiah. Right, just as we know, right, in our, in our church, right, we have our four core values, and those, those are, are what will never change in our church, right, and in our strategy and what we do as, we, as followers of Jesus. And, and our core value number one, right, is that Jesus Christ is our destination, right? That we, as we look at this question of what is my identity, it starts with his identity, right? That he is, that he's our example to follow. He's our destination of our journey, right? Our goal is to be more like Christ tomorrow, than we are today, right? And, and we see that this is where, sorry, this is very significant for us, right? And then, in the, and then following verses here in, in, in chapter three and then on into chapter four, we see um, Luke establish Jesus's identity even to the next level, right? On a couple different levels. The, the next level we see that uh, Luke identifies Jesus um, is in verses 23 through 38, Okay, now if we look at your text, you'll notice it's a whole long list of names, right? It's a genealogy, right? It's the family tree, okay? And this is where Luke establishes Jesus' earthly identity in, in these verses. And, and we see again, how is he, what's he known as on earth, right? Who is he as a human? And we see it in the, again, the, the very first verse, Okay, verse 23, it says, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry, and Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Heli, and then again, on it goes, right, all the way down for, back through several generations. Okay, but notice, though, um, there, right, we see his earthly identity, right? He was known as the son of Joseph. Right? And, and he found that, and again, especially on a, this Father's Day, right? Like, we get that. Like, you're connected to your dad. Okay? And especially in their culture, right, which was the, just, again, the, the lineage, the genealogy, everything went through the, the father, the man of, of the house, right, of the family. And, and so we see this established here, right, that, that Jesus' earthly identity, he was known as the son of Joseph. Now, again, Luke's very careful with his words. Again, he's very specific, right, and careful in the way he describes it. I mean, Again, he, he acknowledges, even in that phrase, right, that he, that's not his true identity. Right? That was his reputation, right? his earthly identity. He was known as the son of Joseph. Right? And, and then we see that in the next section, right, as we start into Luke chapter 4, um, verses 1 through 13, through 13, is where we see Jesus' spiritual identity. Okay? And that is revealed to us. Yeah, and this is where, again, a pretty famous passage, this is the, the kind of the last um, anointing of Jesus, right, before he truly goes into his public ministry and he accepts the, the, the attention and the fame, starts doing miracles and teachings, right? This is where Jesus goes out into the desert and is tempted by Satan. Okay, this is where Jesus goes out, and, and, and in the midst of this interaction, again, we see um, Jesus' spiritual identity. Now, the interesting thing, we're not going to read this verse by verse either, because we, we just simply don't have time to do that this morning. Again, I encourage you to dive into yourself, but the one I want to point out, though, about this passage, okay, is that every time, the, um, again, the, every time the devil presents him with something, 
Okay, now, again, in Luke's version, he presents it with two different temptations. In, in John's and some of the other Gospels, there's three of them. But, but notice, though, in verse 3, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, okay, and then he gives him the temptation. Okay, what is the devil tempting Jesus with? He's attacking his identity. Obviously, Jesus understands his role, why he was sent, right, as the Messiah. It's been clearly identified in the gospel already. And then here, the devil specifically questions his identity, right, in the midst of the temptation. That's the, the core of the temptation. If you are the Son of God. Right? And this is at the foundation, right, of, of the way that, that we are all tempted, is that, is that it eats away at our identity first before it moves towards the sinful action. Okay? And the enemy here very clearly attacks Jesus' identity because our identity, again, our identity, what we believe about ourselves, it will literally affect every other aspect of your life. Your identity, what you believe about yourself, it will affect every other aspect of your life. Remember that. That's key. We're going to see it come up again here later in the chapter. Again, this was the final step of preparation for Jesus before he started his public ministry. And again, here we see, right, that that this this whole issue about identity is, is a huge deal. Okay, everything centers on what you believe about yourself. This is why, again, if you believe the gospel, right, believe that Christ is the Messiah, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross, that he rose again on the third day, right, so we can be saved. If you believe all of that, I mean, that's what we taught our kids this last week, right? That was the culmination of Vacation Bible School. That's the center of our faith, that we, if we believe that about Jesus and if we accept him as our Savior, Right, then, then our identity changes. Right, and we have to be true about who we are and, and what we do. Right? And in fact, that's why in 1 John 2, 6, we are told that those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Right? It starts with identity, and that was at the core of who Jesus was. Right? And that's why he's our example to follow. That's why it's our core value number one, is because it all comes down to identity. It does. And and as we see that, right, Jesus, again, was resisted these temptations because he knew his identity, right? And even when the devil questioned it, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't question it, right? And yet, so if we, if we, again, pray and receive Christ as our Savior and invite him into our life, if we join the journey of faith, right, then our identity changes, and, and we have to stick to that. So, again, in that moment, that moment of salvation, when we join the journey of faith, right, your identity changes from God's creation to God's child. You get adopted into the family of God. Okay, again, this is, this is a relationship, right? That's the point of our faith. Right, is a relationship with your creator because that relationship is broken by our sin. And when we receive Christ our Savior, right, then our, our identity literally changes. We are, scripture says we're made as a new creation. Right? And everybody's God's creation. Right? Whether you believe in God or not, right? whether you even acknowledge his existence does not change the fact that you are God's creation. Right? But when you receive him as your Savior and ask him into your life and surrender your heart to him, then you move from God's creation and you are transformed to God's child. 
right? And that is our true identity, right? As followers of Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the one true king. That is your identity. And never forget that. Never forget that, right? That, that is your identity. And, and you can never question that because that's exactly what the world wants us to do. Right? It's to question our identity. And that's exactly where the enemy will attack you first. Okay, because remember, you are, whatever you believe about yourself, whatever you, you, you believe and accept as your identity, that will affect every other area of your life. So never question it. Right? This is what is supposed to define us. Right? No, I am God's son. I'm a child of the one true king. And, and just have that in the forefront of your mind all the time. Right? That is who I am. Like, there's a, a, a popular song by Matthew West. Right? If you ever want to be reminded of this fact, I encourage you to just you know, Google it. Right? Child of the one true king. It's a great song. Get it stuck in your head. Okay, because it, it communicates this incredibly powerful truth. Okay, Galatians 3, 26 and verse 29. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Again, how do you become a child of God? Through faith in Christ. By receiving him as your Savior. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Because as an heir, you get right? All the benefits the family gets, right? You get the inheritance. And the inheritance is eternal life with Christ in heaven. And again, the lives of the enemy and the experience of this world cannot and should not change your identity unless you let it. The lives of the enemy and the experience of this world should not change your identity. But it can if you let it, if you don't protect it. In fact, look at many of the prevailing issues of our culture and world today. They, and they are all about an identity issue. They, and and that's, what, that's what the enemy wants us to focus on, right? And that's what the world pushes us toward, is about identity. Not about uh, specific actions, right, or perspectives, or choices, or sins. It, they always, they try to redirect it to make it an identity issue, and it's not an identity issue, because your identity is sealed in Christ. Again, think about all of the prevailing issues of our world and culture today, whether it's LBGTQ, racial tensions, political strife, social media trolls, all the way down to the job that you go to, the vehicle you drive, and what you choose to do for fun on the weekend, right? Our world makes all of it into an identity issue, and it's not. Everything pushes to challenge your identity, right? They, the world wants to make it about who you are, not about what you do or what you believe. Don't let anything ever make you question your identity in Christ. Let me say that again. Never let anything make you question your identity in Christ. Amen. 
right? As we see just how important this identity deal is. Okay, then we move on to this, this next section in Luke chapter 4. Okay, and, and this is um, Luke 4, 14 through 30. Okay, and, and as we, when you look at this, right, this is where uh, Jesus' identity, which has been clearly identified in the Gospels now, right? Like Luke has, has given it to us in several different ways. And now in this section, right, is where Jesus' identity is challenged by the earthly powers. Okay, and again, we, we see this, right, in, uh, throughout this story. Um, in Luke 4, like I said, this section um, in, in verses 4, uh, through 30, this is where Jesus goes back to his, his hometown, right? This is where he goes to Nazareth. He goes into to the synagogue there. He reads um, out of uh, the scriptures. He reads this section of Isaiah, okay? This kind of sets the scene here in verse 14. He says, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And he reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. And he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. Okay, so again, Jesus does this. I want to skip down to verse 22. Here it says, So then everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown, like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Okay, and then he, again, Jesus goes on and he kind of throws a little more evidence at them about why they were going to reject him. Okay, and then skipping to verse 28. And it says, now when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Man, talk about some church drama. <laughs> right? Like, like, we see this happen, right? Like, but yet, they, they again, they, they, um, they challenge his earthly powers. Again, what, did they, what was their reaction to Jesus when he stood up and said, Here, here's the prophecy, right? This is being fulfilled through the Messiah. Like, I'm the Messiah. Their reaction was, you're not the Messiah, you're the son of Joseph. Like, we know your family. Like, we watched you grow up. You're crazy. Right? They, they challenged his, his identity, right? And, um, you know, by, again, the earthly powers of the day, right? The, the, the leadership, right? The authority figures of that time, they challenged Jesus' identity from the very beginning. And we just understand that if we live and surrender our lives to Christ, right, that we also will be persecuted for our commitment to Jesus. Okay, we also will be committed by our commitment to Jesus. 1 Peter 4, 4 verses 4 and 14 says, Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do, and so they slander you. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Right, again, why will you be insulted? Right, it starts, right, with your actions being changed, right, your life being transformed by Christ. But the real reason that you're going to be insulted is because you bear the name of Christ, right? It still comes down to identity issue. Right, if my real identity is that I am a son or daughter of the one true king, right, then I will be persecuted by those of this world. 
Okay, we, we need to continue on this next section within Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. Okay, this is where we see Jesus' identity is challenged by the spiritual powers, right? It was already challenged by, his, his, by the earthly powers, right, and leadership. Now we see it challenged by the spiritual powers. Picking up here the story in verse um, 31. It says, Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and it's hot there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. And once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus cut him short. Be quiet! Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched, and then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, What authority and power this man's words possess! Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. The news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. Right? Again, we see the, the unseen world, right? The spiritual powers of the unseen world start to even challenge Jesus' identity. Now, again, not challenge necessarily who he is. They know who he is. Right? There's no question about his identity, but they challenge about what then he has to do right, as the Son of God. Right? They're like, just leave us alone. Let us do what we want to do. Right? And Jesus is like, nope, sorry, can't do that. Right? And again, we see this play out, right? And as Jesus' identity, again, is challenged by these spiritual powers, again, we as followers of Jesus, we will also be attacked by the enemy of God. Right? Again, Scripture is very clear about this. Jesus thought about it. Right? All the New Testament letters talk about it. Okay? We also will be attacked by the enemy of God. In fact, the, 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 um, the advice that coming out of 1 Peter Okay, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are, right? Again, the, the same way the devil attacked Jesus, right, and attacked his identity, that's the same way he attacks us. Because what, what are we told to do, right, to stay alert and to stay strong? It says, remember your family. Right? Not just your earthly family. Right? Because, again, our earthly families are all over the place, right? We all have the crazy uncle, don't we? Okay, again, they, they might not all be believers, right? Or whatever it is, right? He's not talking about your earthly family. No. What family are we told to remember? The family of believers. Right? Because that's where our identity is. Right? And that's how you stay alert, right? Is never forget your identity. Okay, my identity is I am a child of the one true king. Okay, now again, let, let me be clear, right? Choosing to follow Jesus doesn't bring on the attacks. Okay, be, choosing to follow Jesus just makes you aware of the attacks. Okay, everybody's being attacked by the devil. Right? The difference is once you follow Jesus and surrender your life, then your eyes are open to the fact that you're even being attacked. Right? The best enemy is the one that don't, doesn't even know they're being attacked. Right? And again, the, the enemy absolutely is attacking every single person in this world. Right? The difference is when you, once you surrender your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit indwells you and he opens your eyes to the truth, right? and the truth is you're being attacked. Right, so following Jesus doesn't bring on the attack. It just makes you aware of what's actually happening. 
Right? And once you're aware, then we can take right, this advice from Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.11. He says, The Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Right? Really, the difference between a non-believer and a believer, right? uh, God's creation and God's child, the difference is that they're, they're not familiar with his schemes. <laughs> right? But they're attacked exactly the same way. Right? It's just the attacks are far more effective when your eyes are, are focused on something else and you don't even know where it's really coming from. Right? So as we see this, right, is we are aware, right? And he will not outsmart me anymore. I will no longer be target practice for the enemy. I will now fight back. Right? And I fight back at the most core level of the battle, and that is my identity. I will never let the devil question my identity again. We, we see right, that um, when we start doing life with the Holy Spirit, after accepting Jesus as our Savior, it opens our eyes to so many new things. Right? And, and then, instead of just being target practice, we can start to fight back. And then we're continuing on through Luke chapter 4 as we uh, look at verses 38 through 41. And this is where we start to see Jesus living out his identity. Okay, here in verses 38 through 41, Jesus lives out his identity and role in a physical way, right? Here in his physical body here on earth, uh, 38 through 41. It says, after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Please heal her, everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. And as the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Many were possessed by demons, and the demons came out at his command, shouting, You are the Son of God. But because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. And again, this is where we see Jesus start to embrace, right, his role, right, and live out his role as, as Messiah, right, as 100% divine, not just 100% human, okay, and he lives into his role physically in this world. Okay, and again, how do we learn from our example, right, of Jesus? He's our example. We, we follow him, right, as, as child, children of the one true king. We, we want to be more like him. And so um, after we receive Christ our Savior, when we start following Jesus, our physical lives are also supposed to change. Okay, as we see Jesus start to live out his role physically, also our physical lives are supposed to change as followers of Jesus. Okay, again, First John 1, 5, uh, 1 John 5, 18 through 19, it says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under control of the evil one. Again, what is the key? Your identity. Right? That's how you fight back. The first way you fight back, right, is, no, I am God's child, and you can't touch me. Right? I am firmly in God's hand. Okay? And that's, again, when our physical lives start to change, right? But again, what's the evidence of God's hand in our life? God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Right? Now again, the, the reason our, our, our actions change, right, is because of my identity. Right? But, but the point is, she cannot be lost, right, that our physical world should change because of my identity. 
Again, the point of our faith is not behavior modification, right? But the result of our faith will be behavior modification. Right? As we see that, right? We see our physical lives are supposed to change. And then we move on, not just physically, but we also see Jesus live out his identity and role in the spiritual realms as well. Okay, verses 42 through 44. It says, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. And so he continued to travel around, preaching in synagogues throughout Judea. Again, Jesus, right? They're begging. They're like, Jesus, this is awesome. Just stay with us, right? Like, this, this is amazing. We just want you to be here forever. And Jesus is like, nope, it's not the time for that, right? That, that's for eternity, right? We'll spend eternity together. But, but my role as Messiah is to save the world, and I can't do that if I stay here with you. Right? And so we see Jesus like, no, I got to keep going. I got I to reach more people, right? I got to go to other towns. I need to go to other places. I need, he, again, we see Jesus embrace his mission, right, and his identity in the spiritual realms as well. You know, he's saying, no, I have to be true, again, to why the Father sent me, right? And that is to save the world, not just you. Right? And we see, again, Jesus fulfills his spiritual role as well in the spiritual realms and God's plan to save everyone. And again, as we follow him, as he is our example, right, is that as followers of Jesus, our spiritual lives are supposed to change. Right? When our identity changes, then our spiritual lives are supposed to change as well. They notice in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20, right? For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Again, this is the job of every believer, Right, that our spiritual lives are supposed to change. Right, the point of our life is no longer about ourselves; it's about God, and it's about telling everybody else about God. Right, it's about us playing our role, just like Jesus lived into His role of God's plan. Guess what God's plan is to save the world? It's us. It's the church. Right, we are supposed to live in our identity, and because we are God's child, right, is our our physical lives will change. Right, we will be done with sin. Right, and 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 the point of our life is is something completely different. Right, and, and to where now we are not glorifying ourselves; we are glorifying God. Right, and, and the core of what God wants for the world is to save the world, and we are God's plan A. Right? And there is no plan B, by the way. Right? We are supposed to spread the gospel. Right? That is our job. Right? It's to not just receive Christ ourselves and then we journey and grow in our own faith, right? But, but the more we journey and grow in our own faith, the more we become like Christ, the more we can share Christ right? with those who don't know him. And you know, we do that in so many ways, right? Maybe it might be inviting somebody to the barbecue today, right? Or just, just being, being that, that person in the checkout line that doesn't make the cashier cry right? Again, there's so many ways that you spread the love of Christ in this world, right? And, and again, will we live into our, our, true, our true identity, right? In every chance we have. What is your identity? What you believe about yourself, your identity, 
will change every other aspect of your life, right? And that is the number one tactic of the enemy to attack you, is to attack, attack your identity. Not your actions, it's, it starts with your identity. What is your identity today? Right? Is your identity, are, are you a child of the one true king? Right? If, if you're not, meaning you're still just, you're God's creation, right? you're here today, you're just kind of checking out this God thing, who is God, what's, how does it all work? I'll tell you, this is, this is, this is how it works. Right? God loves you. God sent his son, he lived a, a sinless life, he died on the cross, he rose again, resurrected, right, so that you can be saved and your identity can be changed. So you can be adopted into the family of Christ. Hey, and, and all you have to do, again, that price has already been paid, all you have to do is just pray and say, God, I believe in you, I want to accept your gift of salvation today and grace and mercy and forgiveness and come into my life. I, I, I get off the throne and I'm putting you on it, God come into my life. Okay, that's how you get adopted. It's a whole lot simpler to be adopted into God's family than it is, you know, to actually be adopted in our culture. But that's all it takes. Okay, if, if you're not God's child today, okay, then pray and ask God into your life and, and have your identity changed today. Okay, it, if you are God's child, right, are you living into that identity every day? Are you being transformed by his spirit? Right? Are, are, are you never questioning that identity? Right? Are you investing into that identity every day? Right? Through prayer, through Bible reading, through showing up at church, right? through sharing who Christ is, of showing the world how much they're loved by God, right? of what their true identity is. Are you becoming more like Christ tomorrow than you are today? Are you in the journey of faith? Right, again, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today, but I just hope you'll take a step forward. Okay, as we conclude today, and we're going to conclude a little different than normal because we don't have our band and kind of all that stuff. But, but again, I'm, I'm going to give you a final thought. I'll pray over you and we'll go about. But as we leave, I, I want to encourage you to live into your true identity. Okay, and this is our final thought today, and that's this. Your identity, what you believe about yourself, will affect every other aspect of your life. Are you living life as a son or daughter of God? I hope you are. Again, as we leave today, um, if you, if you want to come forward and pray at the altar, you're welcome to do that. If, if you want to talk with somebody, we prayed over, there'll be some, oh, you can come up over here, someone will talk and pray with you, help you accept Christ, whatever it is. Um, but thank you for coming today, and I just want to pray over us as we dismiss. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you and praise you that you came, Lord, you sent your son to change our identity. And God, I pray this morning, God, that no matter where we're at in our faith, whether we don't know you at all, we've never accepted you, or whether we've been walking with you for decades, Lord, that we will take a step forward. We will commit to living into our identity in you, or we'll receive you for the first time. God, I pray, Lord, that this world will never um, make us question who we are in you. God, I pray that you will continue to, to transform us. Lord, we're so thankful that you save us exactly the way we are, but you love us enough to not leave us there. God, continue to transform us, Lord, as we learn more about our identity in you, as we live that out more and more every day, become more like you tomorrow than we are today. Lord, guide us in that 
in that journey. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for saving us, for changing us, God, for transforming us from the inside out. May you continue that work as we go this week, as we live our faith, as we share you with the world. We love you and praise you. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.